the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And Carrie, it has been a while here. You've been on tour with Walking with Dinosaurs. I almost feel like we've forgotten how to do this show. I know. Who are you? What is this? What am I doing? Where am I? I don't know. Where are you? Where in the world <laughs> is Carrie for this recording? Oh, well, I'm trying to remember where I was the last time that we recorded. And you're going to have to forgive me. I have a bit of a cold Earth. right now. So, uh, yes, I was on Earth. Uh, I believe I was in Lithuania, possibly. Uh, so since then, I have been to Oslo, Norway, Helsinki, Finland, Stockholm, Sweden, and I am now currently in Malmo, Sweden, while we are recording. But by the time this episode comes out... I will then be in Gothenburg, Sweden. So I've wow. been, I will have been in Sweden for about three weeks. All over Sweden. Yeah, all over Scandinavia. So, uh, but then after that, I actually get to go home. I have not been home in five months. Wow, that, that is life on tour, huh? Yeah, yeah, and let me tell you, I cannot wait to get back home and have some good barbecue, some proper Tex-Mex food, and to sleep in my own bed. <laughs> well, I've had to try to hold down the fort with a couple of uh review shows while you've been gone, but it is good to have you back, because in this episode we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the recent Game of Thrones news, because... Essentially, we started out as like a Game of Thrones and Star Wars podcast, so uh, it's always good to get into our sweet spot for Game of Thrones content. And as we're approaching that kind of six-month window before we get into Season 8, unbelievably enough, it actually feels like it's starting to get closer, we're starting to get more and more news in the form of um, not just Season 8, but the prequel series. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff, and uh, we're really going to start by talking about this Entertainment Weekly piece. Uh, Carrie, what did you think of the Entertainment Weekly piece? Well, I was really apprehensive about even reading it because I've mentioned this before, but Entertainment Weekly is so well known for, in in my opinion, giving away too much. And I was like, oh, do I really want to read this? And I just, I couldn't help it. I was just so excited for any kind of Game of Thrones news and I would say it's mildly spoilery. I mean, not- I, I I think it's quite spoilery, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, no, it's there's nothing given away in the piece that we probably couldn't have already guessed, though. Right. That's. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's stuff that we've talked about, but I think it's just kind of confirmed it. But uh, yeah, I have to say, it, it, I got really excited. I am so flippin' excited for this season. It's so, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but then I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it because this is the end. It's like, yeah. you, you don't want it to end, but, oh, I'm so excited about it. So for those of you guys who have not seen the Entertainment Weekly piece by James Hibbard, he talks about not just what the table read was like and some of the conversations that he had had with Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark and, you know, some of the different reactions to the, the table read, but he actually talks about where episode one will pick up. 
And he also talks about things that he sees in episode six that were being filmed for episode six that he found to be quite surprising. So uh, he really puts out a lot of information in this kind of first look at season eight. Yeah, I think one of the things that I don't... You are you are always so good and you have an outline with what we're going to talk about. So I don't know if I'm jumping the gun with this. But I think one of the things that stood out to me was one specific line that he had said when he was on set and knowing that they're filming the last episode that he said there were characters there in the scene that he was surprised to see. And I don't know what that means. Does it mean that he didn't think that they were going to survive till the end? Does it mean that he didn't think, is it somebody who we think we have seen the last of, but now they're back? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think about that. I don't know. I, I took it in reading it as he was surprised that some of those people made it to the end. Yeah. Ugh. I, should we should we speculate as to who we think there he's referring to? Well, let's talk a little bit about about what was in that piece. Uh, so they talk about the table read and how emotional it was going through it, you know. Uh, but in addition to that, they talk about where the first episode picks up from, and we'll just get into it. For those of you guys that are uh, maybe wanting to stay spoiler free, you might want to skip ahead at this point. But uh, in terms of where uh, episode one of season eight is going to begin, it is going to just be a continuation of where we saw John and Daenerys heading towards um, heading towards Winterfell, and they're going to be arriving in Winterfell, and we're gonna have a reunion right off the right off the bat not only that you also have to assume that this is going to be the coming together of a lot of characters not just John and Daenerys but you also have Jamie Lannister heading up there you have a potential reunion between uh John and Arya that I think everybody's waiting for so I think that's going to really uh kick off right away well I think not only just that but I'm I'm kind of curious to see what happens when Arya and Sansa meet Daenerys because I I don't know I just I foresee some immediate like who the hell are you like they're not I don't think they're going to be welcoming her with open arms no and the other thing that is mentioned in the piece is that they will not be pleased with the fact that Jon has bent the knee to Daenerys right so I don't know if that's something that we're going to see publicly play out on the show um, but it certainly seems like it will be a, a point of contention in that first episode, which is very exciting to think about. Well, I also think it's exciting that knowing that Jamie Lannister is on his way up there, we assume, to have a meeting between Jamie and Daenerys, knowing that they, she just decimated tons of his troops yeah. and people that he knows. And, you know, here they are now seeing each other face to face. Right, and I think that's that's what makes this so exciting to me, is that everybody kind of converging on Winterfell, think of the dynamics that you have there. I mean, we saw Brienne and the Hound there together uh, in Season 7, but you also have Arya potentially seeing the Hound again, and then oh, Gendry right. as well. So you have Arya, the Hound, Gendry, you have Bran and Jaime Lannister, you have Jaime Lannister and Brienne, you have Jaime Lannister and Daenerys, you have Jaime and Tyrion. And you have Tyrion and Jon, and you have Tyrion and Bran, and, like, all these different characters coming together, 
And yeah, it's, I don't know what to expect. Didn't you at one point ship, uh, Sansa and the Hound together? I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, so it's going to be a reunion for them, too. <laughs> well, here's another thing that I think is going to happen. And I don't know, just because of the symmetry of the, the of the way this story is told. I will bet you a million dollars that there is a scene of Jamie Lannister and Jon Snow shaking hands in Season 8. And the only reason I think that's going to happen is that their initial handshake in the first episode of Game of Thrones, it is very focused if you actually watch that scene again where they actually meet each other outside of the, the you know, banquet hall uh, and they shake hands, there's actually a, a zoom-in shot of their handshake. And I think it would be hmm. great to circle back to that again with where Jamie has, you know, come and he's, he, at that time where he first meets John, he's this, like, mighty, you know, member of the Kingsguard. He's a, he's a badass. And John's right. just a bastard kid. And now John's king of the north and Jamie's kind of broken and looking for, uh, you know, somebody to, to fight with. Yeah, so they've basically flipped positions. I mean, well, no, I think John has ascended to a much higher point than Jamie ever has. Right, right. But one of the things that they also talk about in that piece is that there's going to be a lot of symmetry between the first episode of season eight and the first episode of season one, the pilot episode. And I think that feels right. You have Daenerys coming to Winterfell. You had King Robert coming to Winterfell and you had all the different dynamics and, you know, all of that going on. And I'm sure that the memory of that will not be lost on the people of Winterfell and the Stark family. Oh man, I'm so excited for this. Yeah, it, what's really great about it from a creativity standpoint is there's just so much that you can do. There are so many different directions you can take the story. And then another thing that that's mentioned in the piece as well is that we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more of Winterfell. How they've kind of expanded upon the Winterfell set and there's going to be a lot happening at Winterfell. It's kind of becoming the the central uh, stage for this upcoming battle. And also because Winterfell is going to be a tourist attraction in Northern Ireland. That so, is true. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably why some of that has come into play, because I know that they were planning on doing this before they started filming this season. So, yes, we get to reap the benefits of all of that. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is uh, that's that's kind of spoiled in the piece is something that we we knew was going to happen. But again, it's just weird being told it so directly is that there will be an attack on Winterfell. Yeah, again, it's it's something that, no, we know it's going to happen. But yeah, it's just having it confirmed. And it makes it. It makes it sound like they're not going to uh, wait too long for this to happen. Right. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of consequences. Uh, it's Miguel Sapochnik who's going to be directing this thing. And one of the things that they talk about in the piece is how they're going to have to maintain kind of narrative momentum. It's not just going to be a battle. You're going to have this battle shifting throughout other characters within the story that are that are having their own narrative arcs throughout the entire thing. So... 
it sounds like it's going to be a real uh, spectacle. It's going to be the biggest battle ever put to film. It took months to film. Uh, it, it just sounds like they are going all out. And it was something that Benioff and Weiss knew uh, in season three. They knew where this thing was going. They didn't think at the time they had the money for it. And uh, now they've got all this money to be able to, to uh, put on this kind of dazzling display at the end here. Well, I think one of the things that really sticks out to me in this piece was, you know, when they were initially putting together this show, they kind of knew basically what was going to be happening in the last season, but their initial um, proposal was to have the last season be a series of three movies actually in theaters. And uh, that just goes to kind of echo how we've been talking about Game of Thrones, how it's developed. We're like, what you're seeing on TV will rival anything you see in the theaters. And um, and and likewise, you know, HBO was like, uh, no, we're not putting this in the theater. We're going to keep it on our station. And. So what they are doing in effect, and, and we've mentioned this as well, that, you know, even though it's only, you know, quote unquote, only six episodes, these are six theatrical episodes. I mean, they've had, I think it was like over 15 million per episode or something Yeah, that, that this is costing. So, I mean, just imagine uh, in the last year and a half, making six movies to this degree. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it blows your mind as to what they're doing. Cause you, when you think of any other type of, um, I mean, massive ensemble action movie, like let's take uh, the Avengers movie. Um, the most recent one. I mean, that production for that was well over a year. That's one movie. You know, this is basically six movies that they are making, and it just blows your mind to think about what they have done. And, um, yeah. The decision by HBO to not release these final episodes as films in theaters, to me, is a great choice. I actually think it's a really smart move on HBO's part, because what they're trying to do... With this last season, it's never been done on television before. Right. This is the biggest, boldest, most epic thing ever attempted uh, by um, a television network. So I think that keeping it on their platform is definitely the best way to go. Uh, it's going to change television forever. We already know that Amazon is kind of uh, going to be off and running with their Lord of the Rings adaptation that they're going to be doing. So we see how this is going to kind of I don't know, it's going to, to set this new trend. It's going to start this new trend of, you know, these big, bold, epic television shows. As a matter of fact, they've got their prequels in the hopper as well, which we'll talk about in a second. But they're really looking to kind of to change how we watch television. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, too, the fact that they have decided to not release it in theaters. I mean, because that's... That's a potential cash cow that they just decided not to go with, that they're sticking it, you know, on their own network. Because, you know, if they would have released it in theaters, it would have made a fuck ton of money. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It so, is the most most watched show on television. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge gamble, but that shows to me that, uh, I don't know, part of me wants to say, well, they're not in it for the money, you know? But at the same time, Game of Thrones is a massive cash cow, but it's like they could have made well, so much more money if they put it in the theater. Well, there is something to be said about the television experience, though. Yeah. It reminds me of something Robin Williams used to say a long time ago, because Robin Williams, you know, he was famous for so many different things. But the thing that he was most recognized for was playing Mork. Right. And even after, you know, the Oscars and all of the, the movie roles and everything that he did and, you know, the genie and Aladdin and all this other stuff, people still most remembered him as Mork, like, to a fan. That's most of his um, fan interactions, he would talk about that, were about that character. Yeah. And when he when he rationalized why that was, he said it was because Mork came into your house every week. Yeah. You know, when you play characters on film, you have to go see that person. But on television, they actually come to you. And people tend to have a different relationship with characters on television versus characters on film in that regard. And that's interesting to think about. That's entirely true. But I also think that you spend so much more time with these characters when you're watching a a weekly TV show. Because you have them... You know, for about an hour. Now, granted, every character's not on screen for the entire time. But, I mean, if you really think about it, how much time we have invested in Game of Thrones, that's more than any of the Avengers movies put together. You know, we, we've we spent sure. so much more time with each of these characters. And you're able to, um, I guess, in essence, get to know them. You know, so much more deeper. Yeah. More deeper? Wow, that's that's good. So much deeper well, it's probably, than you are the It's others. probably more than the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, actually. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the way we spend so much time with those characters. Now, along with this Entertainment Weekly piece, we also got the first image of Season 8. Uh, which really is not much different from what it looked like at the end of season seven. We have John and Daenerys in their prom photo. Uh, <laughs> you know, Daenerys looking absolutely fantastic in that costume that she's wearing. Yeah. Although I did notice there's a little bit of fur around her collar there, huh? Uh, I I don't have the image in front of me, and I I didn't notice. I thought it was the I same that jacket that she was wearing before. It's the same jacket, only she's got a little bit of uh, fur around her collar. Hopefully nothing happened to Ghost, and that's not ghost fur around there. Oh, that's terrible. No, but there there does seem to be some fur there. Maybe some uh, some kind of subtle imagery about, you know, the dragon and the wolf. Maybe, maybe. And... From what everybody has said, the entire cast and everybody involved with the show, that the bitter, that the ending is going to be bittersweet, it's going to be haunting, it's um, it's it's definitely going to be emotional, and uh, I'm excited. I have no idea what that could be. I don't, you know, everybody can speculate as to what it's going to be. Um, I I honestly don't know. I don't know what way they're going to take it, and I'm excited to not know. I'm still sticking with my theory. That I theorized probably two years ago now uh, as to how I think this is going to end. I don't even remember which episode we talked about this, but we talked extensively about what we thought our end game uh, was going to be. And I'm still sticking with mine that I think Daenerys is going to end up 
uh, being the Nisa Nisa to Jon Snow's uh, hero person thing. And Azora High, the prince that was promised? Yep, that one. And she's going to end up sacrificing herself. I think that's what's going to happen. I still, I still think so. I think it is most likely that she does not survive the series. Well, in my theory, she doesn't. I think that, I think that's probably, she's kind of a, she's, she's, it's, it, it, I feel like it's almost been teed up at certain points where she's this kind of magical character. And in this world where you're fighting off these kind of, uh, evil creatures that are also kind of magical, you, you almost, you almost need to see all of the magic kind of pushed out of this story by the end. Yeah. Which is, I think, one interpretation of it. I don't know if her and John both survive the series. I, well, I don't know if uh, they both don't survive the series. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that you can speculate because for me, I still kind of feel like it's John's show. Yeah, I know. Like, I feel like he is the Aragorn of this story. Yeah, and I think that that he is going to be the one who's going to ascend to power at the end of this thing. Yeah, I do too, and and. I- I, I can't help but still let that stick in my mind of how George R.R. R. Martin said it was going to be bittersweet. And it's like, okay, what does bittersweet mean? I mean, something that you're, you're happy about it, but you're sad. So it's like, you're happy that John has won. You're happy that John has overcome all of this, but it's, it's sad because Daenerys had to sacrifice herself. And if she didn't do that, well, then, and then everybody would be dead. So it's bittersweet. So that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. But I also think that there will be uh, that kind of lingering idea that there's not going to be a whole lot of joy in John's reign if he does ascend to the crown, if there's even a throne or a crown left by the end of this thing. Right. He's the, he's the, uh, the, the watcher on the wall, you know? He is the guy who he's going to guard the realms of men, not in the Night's Watch sense, but... Uh, he is kind of, that's his responsibility. And there won't be a whole lot of joy. There won't be a whole lot of pleasure. He's just there to, to, to be the one to take care of everything. Hmm. But his watch has ended. Right. I'm not talking about the Night's Watch. I'm talking about from the perspective of his role as a character on this show. What right. he, how he fits the overall story. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of a fitting end for him, which I think would be great to see. But I don't know. They could kill both of them. They could keep both of them around for, like, the mega happy ending. Uh, I don't sense that Game of Thrones is going to go that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of ways that it can go, and I'm very excited about it. And I'm assuming that now that we've got a, a story, and now that we've got the first image, it would not surprise me if we get a teaser coming up sometime this month. Oh, that would make me so happy. It's very far out. Game of Thrones usually doesn't do what movies do. Usually movies will, will start promoting about six months out, where you get the first teaser, then three months out, you get the first full trailer. Um, we're about six months out, so we might get a look at it. They might, they might adopt a more cinematic style of marketing this season because of, you know, how big it's going to be. They're going to push it pretty hard. Is there any kind of series that's getting ready to start? Um, or a returning series that's getting ready to have their first 
episode of whatever the new season is sometime soon because it seems like i'm not sure well it seems like they usually pair up stuff like that like oh it's the season opener of whatever show and then before that it's a new game of thrones trailer you know what i mean yeah you could try they usually do that but i also think that they don't need to do that this time around no they don't need to but that's what they usually do yeah, I just think that uh I think the rules might be different this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they're, they're you know, usually HBO has something going, you know, in November and December. Uh so I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be. So, going back to um what I had posed earlier, now that we're ta- we are kind of talking about end game type things, who do you think it would be surprising to see at the end that you you know, like what was mentioned in the article, that they were surprised that there was a character or characters, plural, that were there. I would be I would be surprised if it was Cersei. That was my first choice as well. Because I didn't think she was going to last through this last uh, season. I, I thought yeah. we were going to lose her, um, but she's still around. So I think that's my number one pick. That I would be surprised if she makes it until the end. Yeah, I mean, like, it would surprise me from a storytelling perspective. Would I mind yeah. seeing Cersei survive to the end? Oh, hell no. I love Cersei. She's horrible. Oh, But yeah. I love how horrible she is. I love Lena Headey in this role. Oh, I do too. I absolutely do. But yeah, I, I did not think that that character was going to survive. Yeah, I think that would be a character that would surprise me in, in terms of surviving. I think... You know, depending on how this attack on Winterfell goes and, and what his overall story arc is, Jamie Lannister would surprise me getting to the end also. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like I feel like you can have Jamie and you can have Brienne, but you can't have them both. Yeah. Now, that's Game of Thrones Season 8. But then we had even more news come out uh, this week about the casting of the Game of Thrones prequel series. And it looks like they are... Uh, putting Naomi Watts in the show, which is super exciting. I think that's an interesting and, choice, yeah. Yeah, and another actor named Josh Whitehouse, who I have no idea, I don't know, all I know is that he's tall and is young. That's that's more than what I know. Right. Um, he's just a, a tall, young guy. Um, we don't know much about this series. There's a rumor that the title is The Long Night, we do know that that is going to be what it's centered around, is the, the that period of history in Westeros. And that's a phrase that we've heard before. I mean, not right. not talking about a show, but it's a phrase within Game of Thrones that um, has been said before. Right, right. Uh, and, and what's really interesting about this particular time period is it's a long time period. Yeah, And for those of you guys who don't know what it's really referring to is it's this period of like an endless winter that lasted years and years and years, uh, caused famine and death and misery. And that's also when the White Walkers came down and then, you know, men teamed up with the children of the forest. They used dragon glass to fight back the, uh, the White Walkers that were coming down. You also had Targaryen rule. You had all this other stuff that was going on at the time. You have Bran the Builder. You have Azor High. 
And you have all of these different things that were all happening around this time. Bran the Builder, who built the wall. You know, so uh, the establishment of the Night's Watch uh, after the fact. So you have all of these different elements. But what's really funny about it is so much of the Game of Thrones series mirrors. Yes. Or is at least designed to mirror the Long Night. So I'm assuming they're going to do something a little bit different here than just regurgitate the Game of Thrones story with uh, different characters doing different things. Well, and that's some of my concern, is that I, I don't want it to be that. I mean, I like that this right. has has had a nice story to it, and yes, you know, like you had mismentioned so much, is, is kind of that phrase of, you know, history repeating itself. And that's kind right. of what this time frame is. It's like, oh, well, look at these things that have happened in the past that are happening again. But I, I don't want to see it again. I don't. I don't want to see a bizarro Game of Thrones, you know. And so I'm right, wondering. I agree. I'm wondering from what perspective or what is it that they are going to do? Because this time frame has been already uh, already laid out so much in the happenings of it, and and what makes it so historical within this world. That if right. they deviate from that, I mean, you're going to have people losing their shit. Well, the other thing too about Martin and the way he writes, there's a lot of there's a lot of unreliable narrator going on. So a lot of these stories about the Long Night are kind of legends, right? You know, and so if you think about the legends of our history of thousands of years ago, you get into some of the old, um, you know, Homer things like the Iliad and the Odyssey. And like, what if you were to retell the reality of those stories? What would they be like? Right. And I feel like we, you know, we could utilize some of that in how we understand, you know, how they may proceed with this prequel show. And I think... There's a lot of different, essentially, even though we know everything that I just said, like we know those things about that time period, we don't know the people of that time period. We don't know some of those other power dynamics that were existing at the time. Maybe broad strokes, but not the the details, not the interpersonal dramas, not those things. Well, that's true because, you know, they've already shown on Game of Thrones how they can change that narrative. Like, for example... um when we had Bran's vision with the three-eyed raven at um at the tower and they're seeing he's seeing his dad as a younger version of his dad when he has his supposed epic battle and right. and he knows what he's been told happened but now he's seeing right. it and he's seeing is like wait a minute that's not what i was told Right, yeah, he didn't defeat Arthur Dane, his buddy stabbed him in the back. Right. So I think that's kind of a good, I think that's a great example of how we might understand what the things that we could see in this series, you know? You know, maybe there are things in there, maybe Azor Ahai is a woman, you know, the whole time, and, you know, history kind of just kind of whitewashed her out of it. You know, there there could be all those different things, too. Or maybe we get some backstory about the White Walkers and their origins, and maybe it becomes a much... Maybe it makes that race of people that were converted into White Walkers. Uh, of course, that that's kind of speculation on my part. But maybe it makes them more sympathetic. Maybe this gets to be a story about indigenous people fighting off uh, foreign invaders. Or maybe it becomes a story about the politics of 
dwindling resources and how does one control a kingdom when you have people that are starving to death and dying and i think that's where some of the human drama and some of the politics can come from that really make game of thrones successful because it was more than just you know the fantasy epic it was the fantasy epic that also had kind of realistic cutthroat politics in there as well you know i just had an idea and i don't know how this would fly or go over. Or I, I'm wondering if there's something they could do to kind of bridge or connect the new season, the prequel season or show with uh, Game of Thrones that, you know, they've established in Game of Thrones that Bran slash the Three-Eyed Raven is able to go in and out of different times. I'm wondering if they will begin to... to to bridge that gap, to connect the two? Like, what if the opening of this new show is somehow Bran slash the Three-Eyed Raven, like, going back to look at something, to see something? What if he's almost like the narrator of this new uh, series? Try to pull uh, try to pull a Hobbit? Yeah. Like they did with the Hobbit film? I hope not. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that idea. I, I think they're going to want to make a clean break and have it exist as its own thing. And only use the name Game of Thrones to, to brand tag it. Well, what if they did that just kind of to get you started? Like, they didn't uh, do it throughout maybe. the entire one, but here's the first one, and here's Bran slash the Three-Eyed Raven, I don't know, talking to somebody or himself or, you know, just to... It's just like Sam and Bran sitting by a fire. Right. There and back again. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to try to do it. My assumption is they're going to try to keep them separate. I was also thinking with this new show, um, this is a hard, a hard thing for them to try to pull off because any new show, this, this new show, The Long Night, if that's the actual title of it, they're not going to give them 15 million bucks an episode. That's just not going to happen. Right. So they're going to have to build up to get that epic budget that Game of Thrones got. Because I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of cheaply designed sets, and, you know, and it's going to get gradually better, hopefully, as time goes on. Um, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's going to come with that pedigree. So I think it's going to have a better budget than what the original, um, Game of Thrones. Sure. Had. Totally agree. And I know, and I actually know for a fact that there's a lot of the same people that are going to be, going to be working on this that worked on the original Game of Thrones behind the scenes. Um, I do know that for a fact because I do have a connection. Um, I'll get into that some other day, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have connections now because of what I'm doing. I know lots of insider things. Um, that I am not at liberty to say. But I do know that they are in the same locations. They are still filming in Northern Ireland, and a lot of the same people are going to be working on them. So I think there's still going to be that same care. There's still going to be that symmetry where it's, like I said, it's almost going to be bizarro because it's going to have that same look. It's going to have that same feel. You're going to know that you're in Westeros. And um, so that is definitely something that's going to tie it in. Um, those of us that are familiar with it, it's it's still going to have that same look and feel. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it will, st it maybe won't have 
final season Game of Thrones budget, but it's definitely going to have more than season one Game of Thrones budget. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and I think that uh, another thing about this show is it's going to have a lot of expectations on it, which, you know, which is good, but it's also going to be difficult. But, you know, I think the best example of a show that was able to succeed as a spinoff is Better Call Saul. Yeah. Breaking Bad, one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. And Better Call Saul is a spinoff. I remember when it was announced, people were like, that sounds fun, but like, do we really want that? Is that something that they can, how can they possibly make that work? And four seasons into Better Call Saul, that show is fantastic. Yeah. And that show is getting better and better and better. And uh, I think that that kind of gives me hope for this Game of Thrones show, that if you have the right creative people behind it, if you have the right passion behind it, you can make something really killer that will serve as an accompaniment to the original series. Yeah, I I have high hopes for it. I mean, of course, I'm going to I'm going to go into it with a little bit of skepticism. And, you know, kind of waiting and looking to be impressed right off the bat. But um yeah, I'm I I love I love the stories of Game of Thrones. I love this world. So, I'm really looking forward to them expanding upon it. Um you know, I I hope it's not a Lord of the Rings/Hobbit situation. Yeah, I I I hope not also. I hope not also. Um, but I think that they have a lot of talented people behind it. We know that, that George R. R. Martin is kind of stepping in and, and he's, uh, helping out with, uh, the, uh, showrunner as well. So he's helping her along, uh, in terms of kind of giving it all of that authenticity. Uh, so I think that's, that's really exciting. I think it's going to be an awesome opportunity to really kind of keep living in this world. Yeah. I'm, I'm and- going into it hoping it's a, uh, Star Wars Rogue One situation. Yeah. 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 Well, the writer behind this, too, the writer who's also going to be the showrunner is Jane Goldman. And Jane Goldman has a really killer pedigree. I mean, uh, from Kingsman, but she also did X-Men First Class and Kick-Ass as well. So, you know, she has a lot of great credits to her, to her uh, resume as well. Great credits to her credit. Great credits to her credit for crediting the whatever. Credit. But we'll talk about more Game of Thrones stuff as we as we get closer. I I feel like we're going to record this show, and then like next week there's going to be a trailer or something. Yeah, because that's what happened when we were talking about Star Wars. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> we recorded, right. and then all of a sudden they released the synopsis for The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, we had to go back and edit that one in. But we will definitely be here to talk about it when that trailer does hit. Carrie, do you have any other thoughts on Game of Thrones Season 8 or the Long Night prequel series? Oh my god, it's a can of worms. I always can have more thoughts on it, but I will reserve them for a future episode. And uh, yeah, hopefully I will actually be visiting the world of Westeros again within the next month or so, because I will be back in Ireland. So um, there's a potential that I will be... I will actually be in Winterfell. Awesome. Awesome. And we will be along with more Game of Thrones related episodes in the future. But oh, uh, you guys yeah. have heard our thoughts. You guys have heard our thoughts on Season 8 as well as the Long Night prequel series. But we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Nerdflix Chill. You can also uh, download 
our podcast or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, everybody, may the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>